Good morning, FCBC Walnut English Congregation. Welcome to our online worship service. And I want to begin by saying Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. We wish that we could celebrate with you in person, but but today we're all worshiping in our own home. So I want to encourage you, if you're at home with your mothers, uh, please find a way to appreciate them, praise God for them, thank them, take a moment to thank them for all their love and their sacrifice. We praise God for all of our mothers. This includes our expecting mothers. Uh, I'm also going to take a time to pray for the mothers where I'll also pray for any of you who have um, suffered through a miscarriage. So mothers who have gone through some pain recently or some of you who have lost your mothers. Okay, so we're going to do that in a moment. But before we get there, I want to give you two, highlight two announcements. All of our announcements can be found in our digital bulletin. And so take the time to read through those announcements so you can stay connected with what God is doing in our church and through our church. But announcement number one is to thank you all for participating in our relief team efforts, whether you've donated or whether you're serving on that team. Thank you so much. To this date, we've collected over 19,000 PPEs, including face masks, and we've been able to distribute those to over 43 or maybe 43 or more. I know the number keeps changing um, as, as more opportunities open up. So, so we've given to 43 local health facilities. So thank you all. We're continuing to collect PPEs and we're continuing to collect non-perishable food items. But there's only one collection date now. That's Sunday. So Sundays from 12 to 2. It's only one day of the week and it's only by appointment. We want to limit the number of people here on campus. We want to uh, allow those who really need to be working on, the, on organizing and putting the relief uh, items together to be here uh, along with some essential uh, essential uh, workforce, but but we, we discourage people from gathering in a crowd. And for those of you who do come, please uh, wear a face mask and maintain social distance to the best of your ability. We do want to abide by uh, the law as Romans 13 exhorts us to do so. Uh, but that is the day. Uh, it's Sundays and it's by appointment only. So if you want to drop off or donate anything, we welcome it. We need it. Please uh, email relief at fcbcwallet.org, relief at fcbcwallet.org to make an appointment and you can come in person to drop off those items. The second announcement is that on May 27th, we are going to have from 1 to 7 p.m. a blood drive. The Red Cross is going to host a blood drive here at FCBC Walnut. And our goal is to uh, is to have 25 pints of blood to to not raise, but to but to draw 25 uh, pints of blood uh, to donate. And so um, we know some of you have already signed up for this. Uh, but if you're interested, more information is on our digital bulletin. All of the workers from the Red Cross, as well as all uh, donors, will be screened. So this is completely safe uh, for you to do so. Uh, and so more information is there, but that's another opportunity for us uh, to be salt and light in our community. Now, will you join me as I lead us to pray, uh, in particular, to pray for our mothers? Father, during this uh, COVID-19 crisis, we want to especially pray for our moms uh, we want to lift up our mothers to you. We thank you for them. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to empower them with your grace, that you would continue to surround them with encouragement, that you would help them to get through each day. We want to pray especially for the mothers with children at home. We know it's been hard. It's been difficult, whether it's homeschooling now 
or school at home or having the kids all day and not having all the other activities that, that mothers could take their kids to. And so, Lord, we want to pray for mothers as they disciple their children that your Holy Spirit would give them grace, energy, wisdom, patience, love, and everything that they need, every resource that they need, especially the spiritual resources to minister to their children at home. We want to pray for mothers who have recently gone through a miscarriage. We know, Lord, that that is a painful experience. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that during this Mother's Day, that you would remind them that you are the giver of life and that their children that they have lost are now with you in heaven. Their souls are with you because life begins at the point of conception and that they are very much in your heart, uh, these mothers. So, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, surround them by your, with your love during this time. Father, we want to pray for those who have lost loved ones, lost mothers, lost their grandma or their mom or their auntie, uh, whether it's through because of COVID-19 or just because of health or any other um any other way that they've lost their their mothers during this time, that you would comfort them, that you would walk with them and surround them during this time. So, Father, we pray that today we would we would focus on praising you and thanking you for the moms in our lives. We continue to pray for a vaccine. We continue to pray for healing. We continue to pray that you would bring COVID-19 to an end. We want to continue to pray for those who are impacted economically, that you would provide for them, that you would walk with them, and that you would be their God, Lord. And we thank you for Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Praise God for the moms, expectant moms, grandmothers, and spiritual moms in our church family. You are an essential part of God's plan to make disciples of all nations, starting with those closest to us in our homes and in our church. It is also a delight to journey together as a family of brothers and sisters belonging to the household of our Heavenly Father through Christ. That being said, today's message is not only for the moms, because we all need to be fed from the Word of God. Please stay with me as we work through this sermon to the end, because there will be applications for moms that involve each and every one of you. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today, for this opportunity to celebrate the moms who are in our midst and in our lives. We thank you for them. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us with them. But we also know, Lord, that in the midst of many of these relationships, Father, there sometimes are hardships and conflicts and difficulties. Maybe some of us have lost our moms. Maybe some of us are in friction with our moms. Maybe some of us have been wanting to be moms, but you have not blessed us with children yet. There's all these ways in which we can make the focus on us today and forget about you. But Father, thank you, Lord, for being greater than all of our circumstances and yet also working all things together for the good of your people. So God, bring us near to you this morning. Draw us, Father, to your word. Help us, Father, to see Jesus more clearly, Lord, so that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today, we're actually going to tie a bow on the Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, there's something that God's just really put on my heart that I wanted to share with you that came alongside with what Pastor Hanley preached to us last week. And so let me go ahead and read the passage for us for today. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Matthew 7, 24 to 27. The ESV says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, 
and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus, using this illustration at the very end of this segment, it comes at the end of three pairs that are being used to describe what it means for people to take his teaching to heart and then to actually do them. He draws out and contrasts the difference, the life and death, the eternal consequences of what it means to obey and to trust him as God's son, as the foundation, as the rock. And at the end, you see that all of this ties so clearly with his call to the disciples in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, when he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The conclusion to the Sermon on Mount makes it clear that when Jesus is the center, there is a binary. Either you are following him as a disciple through the narrow gate and down the difficult way so that he can bear fruit through your life on the way to eternity with him, or you are following the crowd and pursuing temporary dreams that will result in spiritual barrenness and divine punishment forever. Jesus makes one thing clear today with today's passage. The foundation is everything. Now, when we see the beginning of verse 24, Jesus makes it really clear that there's two types of builders. There's the wise builder and there's the foolish builder. Now, how do you know which one is wise and which one is foolish? Well, it depends on whether the house or their life's work, what they have built and invested their time and energy in, whether that lasts, whether it stands the test of time, and whether it stands the final judgment. See, the one that is built on an adequate foundation will withstand the, stand, the storms and the waves of God's final judgment, which Pastor Hanley talked about last week. However, it's interesting to see that the emphasis is on this foundation, not necessarily on the house itself. I mean, we could have a house that is built by someone that is mansion-like, that is huge and cavernous and spacious, filled with many, many rooms and many, many developments. However, we can also have a house that's like a shack, that is like a shed, that is just barely put together. But it's not the size of the house, nor is it the structure of the house itself or how complicated it is or how long it's been worked on, but it's whether that house is built on a foundation of Jesus Christ. You contrast this to the standard of kingdom living versus the future standard of judgment. What you find is what you're building today will continue to build depending on the foundation that it's on. And that is what you have to present to God at final judgment. Your body of work, the life's work built up in the house that you're building as it is anchored on the foundation of Christ or not, that is what God is going to judge you by. So it's not about your house. It's not even about how hard you've worked on the house, but it's whether you've put this house on the right foundation or not. 
And that's where this passage connects to our present day circumstances, especially during this COVID-19 crisis. You see, those that are wise build their house on a rock, and this rock is Jesus. The parallel passage in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 47, describes what it looks like to build your life's work, your entire portfolio on Christ. Jesus said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. The foolish then are put on display in this way. They're people that built their house or their life's work and portfolio on a sand. And in Luke 6.49, this is what you do to build your house on a sand. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. So how do you build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Well, when you are obedient to his commands and when you trust him to be the one that anchors you through the storms of this life, but then ultimately to face the final judgment of God. Now, during this COVID-19 crisis, there has been a lot of hardships. And when we connect what is at the end and bring it back to the present, we can see that how we are building this house now every single day when it's on the rock builds up to what we will present to God at the end. The one thing that the foolish and the wise builders shares in common is this, is that they will endure hardship. In fact, if the goal is to avoid the storms, that is not even a scenario that Jesus makes possible here. But the goal is to stand to the end for the final storm, but along the way to weather and persevere through every little storm that comes to hit the house that you are building. Whether coronavirus, whether sickness, whether financial disaster, whether disappointments, whether relational conflicts, all those things as it happens to us every single day allows us to continue to build a house on the foundation of Christ and then to present it to God. You know, the coronavirus has revealed the ease by which what we strive to plan and build up every single day over the seasons and stages of life can be taken away just like that. You know, I think about our high school seniors. We're so proud of you guys. You're the class of 2020. But this is a year in which many of your hopes and many of the things that you have planned for is seemingly falling to pieces. There's no prom. There's no grad night. And certainly, most likely, not a personal graduation ceremony. We want to celebrate you. And you know your families and friends want to celebrate you too. But... It's not the same. This is something that many of you are still grieving over and many of you are trusting God with to sort out your feelings and your hopes. It's a storm that you're enduring. Some of you who are young adults, maybe you have these milestone plans like weddings or travels, things that you have booked, things that you wanted to get out of the way and accomplish in your life. Perhaps you're moving up on your ladder in your vocation and then things fall apart maybe this is a season by situations outside of your control you're being furloughed or maybe you're being laid off maybe in the midst of studies things have to be postponed these are daily tribulations and trials 
these storms of life that challenges what we're building our foundations on. Maybe you're a family and your kids are now in your home and you're going through school. Uh, maybe your savings are being ransacked. Perhaps these milestones and timelines that you have planned are coming in pieces. Perhaps you're 50 plus and you're thinking about your grandchildren and how they are doing and you miss them because you can't see them. You're considering retirement. You're wondering about your health. All of these things are daily obstacles that come and hit upon your house. And whether your house is being grounded on Christ, the rock, or it's being grounded on something less stable like sand, this is where it appears to show. Where your house is built on is directly related to the object of your faith. So the question here is this, why is it that building your life on Jesus is the only sure foundation? Why Jesus and not anyone else or anything else? Well, I'm going to give you four reasons why Jesus is the foundation that no storm, whether in this life or at final judgment, will overcome because Jesus is sure. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is God. Reason number one, Jesus is the one that God has chosen. If you look at Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, there is a prophecy that looks ahead to the coming of the Messiah. The Bible says this, Therefore says this the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Well, who is this? Let's fast forward to Acts chapter 4, starting from verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, starting from verse 19, then speaks of the church and what it is made of. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So reason number one, why is Jesus the sure foundation? Because God has chosen him. Here's reason number two. Jesus is the sure foundation because he has fulfilled God's requirements for a perfectly lived life of holiness. If you recall just a couple chapters back in Sermon on the Mount, at the end of chapter five, Jesus said this, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And as he is speaking this message to the religious establishments and leaders, as well as the crowd, it should strike them right away that, wait, I can't be perfect. I can't keep the law perfectly. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've not been flawless in my keeping of the law. However, Jesus did. And Jesus did this perfectly in his earthly life and ministry. Reason number three, the reason why Jesus is the sure foundation it's because he is the one that has satisfied God's wrath completely in his death. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, the Apostle Paul said this, For our sake he made him 
to be sin who knew no sin, that is Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus lived a perfect life, but then there was this great exchange that took place between him and sinners, that those that put their faith and trust in Christ, that we receive his perfectly lived life and righteousness placed upon us, so that God's wrath passes over us and all of it lands on Christ. And so his perfect life allowed him to bear God's perfectly holy wrath. And that is the third reason. The fourth reason why Jesus is the first sure foundation is that he is the one that will bring us to God. In fact, Jesus has gone ahead and he has said that he will return. John chapter 14 said this, let not your hearts be troubled as Jesus is talking to his disciples in the upper room. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. So we see that it's clear Jesus is the sure foundation for these four reasons. Now, placing your faith and building your house, your life's work on his work, then is one that leads to redemption. And that is on rock, as Jesus describes. However, the other type of foundation that will wash away is one that he calls sand. And that is exemplified by living out religion instead of trusting in God's redemption through Christ. Let's look at the both, sand and rock. Let's compare and contrast both of them. For sand, especially as Jesus is addressing this to the religious leaders, it is a practice of religion and external spirituality that actually turned out to be very self-centered. Some of the ways in which you might build your house on sand is this. Just try harder and live a moral life. Let your obedience to God be based on your comparison to others. So just, you know, do just enough to get by. Project the right image so that people would think what you want them to think of you versus who you are. Don't address the hard issues and make sure to keep the treasures and desires of your life compartmentalized and superficial. That's what the religious leaders did at Jesus' time. And that's what it looks like when you build your house and your life's work on sand right now. We remember the rich young ruler in Matthew 19.20 as Jesus listed major tenets of the law from the Ten Commandments. His response was this, All these I have kept, what do I lack? You can see the sense of confidence and assurance that he has accomplished everything he needed to do on the outside, so he's fine before God. And the condition and the state of his heart is not touched at all. That is building your life on sand. Now, what does it mean to build your life on rock or on the redemption offered by God through Christ? Well, it's exactly that. It is putting Jesus and his work in the center of your hopes and of your life. That the death and resurrection of Christ presents 
real hope for you today that then will transcend the grave and go into eternity. That your primary identity is anchored in the work of Christ on the cross and that your daily obedience is through this internal transformation powered by the Holy Spirit through which He is changing you from the inside out. And so what comes out of you in terms of action and in behavior and worship and service is because of a growing relationship that you have with God. That is what it means to build your life on the rock, to live out redemption as your central story, to base your present and your future on Christ. It reminds me of the lyrics from the praise song, Christ in Me, which is connected to Philippians 1.21, where the lyricist writes, Christ in me is to live, to die is to gain. He's my king, he's my song, he's my life, he's my joy, he's my strength, he's my sword, he's my peace, he's my Lord. Notice how all of these things are about Christ and not about what you can do for Christ. But you can imagine that if you believe these things about God, that your life will certainly look different in terms of how it is surrendered and poured out as an offering to this magnificent Savior that has purchased you for himself. Jesus' call to discipleship prepares his followers for a time just like this where we can live in the fullness of faith in Christ the rock presently because we trust that God will fulfill eschatologically everything that he has promised when his kingdom comes. The Beatitudes make that contrast so clear. Obedience is costly, but it is worth it when the ultimate reward arrives with Jesus' return for his bride, bringing the kingdom of heaven to its fullness. So as you are building your house on Jesus, daily trials and tribulations will come your way, especially for those of you who are mothers. Matthew 7, 25, as this passage continues, describes what many of you as mothers can probably relate to right now during this pandemic. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. Luke 6 said this, And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house. Doesn't it feel that way at times during this crisis for those of you that are moms? Well, as a mother and as a spiritual mother, there are two central commitments and areas that you are called to work on as you build the house of your life. The first is marriage, the relationship with your husband. The second is then your children, as you are called to be one of the primary disciple makers, to evangelize them with the gospel or to disciple them towards maturity and obedience in Christ. Those two major areas overlap and that provides the central area and the central foci for your life's work as a mother. There's many other ways in which 
you have identity as well. However, those two are the ones that God has called you to focus on first and foremost. As I was preparing for this message, I asked some moms if they had some thoughts about how mothers could be encouraged, especially as we're working our way through this unique season of COVID-19, of quarantine, of worries and anxieties that are related to this before unseen and unheard of pandemic in our lives. One mother said this, encourage moms or families with special needs children and maybe whose spouses are unbelievers. These are two separate things, but just things that she thought of. Because with the challenges they face every day, tantrums, spiritual mismatch, feeling tired because they're trying to point the family to God, but are getting no response or maybe having no mutual understanding that these moms need to be encouraged. What I saw from this contribution was this, is that it's not always perfect, even when you have those two spheres of your life in the same house of your marriage and of your children, that those two spheres necessarily are easygoing as it relates to disciple making. That perhaps a lot of times the tribulations comes within and from those two spheres themselves. That perhaps there's a Christian spouse, but maybe there's a non-Christian spouse. That perhaps there are children that are healthy, but then maybe there are also children that are struggling with certain issues. But these are the two central areas. And right now, all of the pressures are even more accentuated during this time of crisis. What are some of the ways in which moms have to juggle things right now? Well, they're juggling crisis schooling right now, uh, that most families were not homeschooling their children uh, before this time, but now as the school year ends online, everyone is crisis schooling. There's work that many moms are working from home, that many moms are still going in as essential workers on the front lines and showing up to work, that there's your regular housekeeping, cooking, there's the errands running. And this is not to say that only moms do this, but certainly it is part and parcel of running a home with those two spheres of a marriage and of children. Another mom said this, all mothers want to be affirmed and loved to know that God's unchanging grace is sufficient for them. Mothers pour themselves out to love and pray and care for their families, but they wonder if they've ever done enough or what else they could have done that would yield more desirable outcomes, specifically about their children's salvation and walk with the Lord. Some sit in guilt and regrets about the past, anxious about the present and the future. And all that's just from within the house and the regular patterns and the coming and going of the home. Well, those are not the only trials that come during this time. There's pressures from outside the home as well. There are expectations that you have that are from culture. There are comparisons that you have with other moms. There are trials and tribulations that you're going through that are coming from the world outside of this home, consisting of your marriage and of your children that comes upon you as well. Another mom said this, I read back to the Beatitudes 
If you imagine a mom listening, that's how she feels. But she is blessed in her feelings of inadequacy, poor in spirit, mourning, etc. Because we can only hope on Jesus. We cannot depend on our own strength to do what we have to do as moms. All moms feel inadequate and guilty compared to what the world portrays as the standard for the home. It's a comfort and encouragement that Jesus understands, and only through him can we rest and be at the right place. Let's think back to these Beatitudes that we are memorizing. Let's hear them afresh once again in light of what we have just heard as it relates especially to the difficulties and the trials of motherhood during this season. Listen and think of a mom. Think of a spiritual mom. Think of an auntie and try to put yourself in their shoes and see if this might be what they're going through. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, as you hear those Beatitudes, and we think about the moms and the spiritual moms in our lives, I think we can see how that first part can relate to them, especially during this season. But notice the second part. Those sources of comfort and encouragement of forward-looking redemption and reconciliation and reward, that can only come from Christ. Only when your house is built on Christ as a sure foundation can these Beatitudes ring true. For this life as hope, for the future as salvation. It's not easy to build this house on the rock of Jesus every day. This is where the plan of God provided for a source of encouragement, comfort, and equipping through another edifice, another building that he himself is putting together on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that building is the church. If you go a little bit later in Matthew 16, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter. And after Peter confesses Jesus as to Christ, Jesus responds by saying this, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. On this rock the church will be built. Now, Peter did have a prominent role in the start of the church, as you see in the beginning of Acts. However, the rock, the rock that stands and the rock that is enduring and the rock that is eternal is not Peter. It is the object of Peter's confession. That is, Jesus is the Christ and the Son of 
the living God. So these are the two houses that God is building through his people. He is building a house filled with family consisting of marriage and children as broken as they might be, but he is building that through his people. And then he is building a spiritual house where he desires to dwell that is anchored in the gospel of redemption in Christ. And that is also put together by members of a body that belong to him and our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a partnership and interdependence between the home and the church because both are primary in disciple making and both are called to obey Christ's commands or build your house on a rock as a wise person would. Regardless if we have children of our own, making disciples of the next generation is the burden that we all share as the household of God. Francis Chan said this, the goal of life, I would say, is to transition our children from total dependence on us to total dependence on him. And this is the case whether you're talking about the home or you're talking about the church. We share that same goal. So here then are some applications, starting with the church. I had shared some comments from some mothers that I had asked for feedback for today's sermon. And it just became so important that as moms are going through this in life, that they need to be connected to people and to be committed to groups. Now, whether that's formal or informal, these relationships in the church are vital to be able to have moms journey with each other, to encourage, to pray, to edify, to build up, and to serve each other. And right now, as the church scattered, this happens for us in groups. In fact, I want to highly recommend you, if you are a mom and you're not in a group right now, to consider our Women's Intergenerational Community Group that is starting today. You can find the information in the digital bulletin. Check them out if you are disconnected right now to a group because we don't want you during the season of the church scattered to be struggling and wrestling through motherhood on your own. Another important quality and characteristic of the church that supports moms is this, intergenerational relationships. Sometimes when you only connect with people in your life stage, it's easy to just continue to share a narrow perspective and maybe just commonly wallow in your shared struggles without being able to look back and see what God has done and be able to look forward to see what God will do tangibly through the examples of others. And so intergenerational connection through the local church of moms is what many of you guys need as well. This week, I recorded a new episode of the Vibrant Family Podcast with Katie. And what we hosted was actually an intergenerational panel of moms. There was a new mom. There was a, a mom with three children. And then there's Katie representing the grandmother life stage. The conversation was wonderful because even the two moms that were invited, they had not known each other, but yet they shared so much insight and joy and encouragement with each other. And so in addition to groups, which allow you to commit and be consistent in your journey with each other in Christ, 
intergenerational relationships which are found in the church are precious as well. Now let's bring things back to the home, to the arena of marriages and of children. My charge to you on Mother's Day is actually for the husbands and the fathers. Please lead your family in spiritual disciplines and support your wife when she is trying her best and leading her children towards God. Serve and pray for her continuously. See her as your primary ministry. Now, some of you, maybe as husbands and fathers, maybe you're not Christian, you're not a believer yet. But if your wife is, ask her why she believes. Have an open heart to see what drives her in this endeavor to build her life and to build her role as a wife and as a mother on the foundation of Christ. Do it with an open heart and see what it is that she clings to and what it is that she believes in. Because that matters a lot. That you're open to hearing and considering the claims of Christianity and the truths of the gospel. And I want to say that there's no greater news than Jesus who took our place on the cross for the punishment that we deserve for our sins. That is the gospel. That through him, we're able to be reconciled and saved and be a part of our Heavenly Father's household and be brothers and sisters. And I hope to see you in heaven and in eternity, if not earlier in this life, as a fellow brother. But maybe where you need to be is just to be open to considering, to ask questions, and to see what basing your life and grounding and anchored on Christ looks like. Now, for those of you who are children, especially children living with your mom in the home, I want you to do just one thing. Appreciate your mom, especially in ways in which she has been leading you towards God and demonstrating to you what it looks like to love God and neighbor through following Jesus. It's not an easy thing for your moms to do, and no mom is perfect in doing it. But if you can appreciate your mom in any way this weekend, just thank her for being someone that pointed you to God, that led you by the arm into God's house in the midst of God's people, that allowed you to experience so much of the joy as well as the comfort that comes with building your life on Jesus through the ups and downs of life. Just tell her that simple thank you and it will go a long way. Today's big idea is this. Motherhood is an honorable calling that brings home and church together to build on the rock of Jesus. Let me say that again. Motherhood is an honorable calling that brings home and church together to build on the rock of Jesus. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, for the moms and the spiritual moms in our midst, Lord, that you would strengthen their walks with you. We pray, Father, that you would draw them near to you, especially during this crisis or during this storm in which more pressure from the outside and more stress from the inside all comes to a head and sometimes just 
all bubbles up and explodes on a given moment. But Father, we pray, Lord, that you would anchor them in Christ and anchor them in the promises of eternal life and anchor them in the assurance of continuous change through the power of the Holy Spirit that makes them more and more like Jesus every day from the inside out. We want to pray, Lord, for the moms and their marriages, Father, that you will grow them, helping them to work through conflict with their husbands, whether they are Christian husbands or non-believing husbands. We also want to pray, Lord, for the mom's relationships with their children. Father, you will make a way, Father, for them to continue to lead their children to you, strengthening the relationship that the moms have with their children as they care for the children and as they grow to see the children mature. Father, may you give them wisdom and discernment every step of the way. And finally, we want to pray, Lord, for our church family that we could come alongside the mothers in our midst. Lord, just encourage them to support them, to commit to them, to journey with them. And we want to pray, Lord, for any mom that is disconnected to the local church, Father, that you would connect them, Lord, to a group. You would connect them in relationship to others intergenerationally, Father, so that they are able, Lord, to share their struggles, be prayed for, but also to have friendships, Lord, that will matter, not only just for this season, but for a lifetime and ultimately for an eternity. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us to see how disciple-making is all of our mandate and responsibility as followers of Jesus, but yet mothers hold such a unique and special place for which even if we are not mothers ourselves, God, it should be a privilege, God, for us to support and encourage and bless them. We thank you, Lord, for our moms. We thank you, Lord, for the grandmothers in our midst. We thank you, Father, for all the spiritual moms and aunties, Lord, who are faithful in raising the next generation. And we ask, God, that you would continue to anchor all of us and our homes and our church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock who will never be shaken. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.